Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Three, two, one. Here we go. Good morning, good people. Welcome to A to Z Sports Live, presented by the Cochran Firm and Boston Scientific. We stream it live on YouTube and Facebook, and of course, I am your host, Will Skywalker Steel. How y'all doing this morning, man? How y'all doing? Today, we got part two of the hindsight series where we talk about the Cowboys offensive line. Actually, it's part two of the offensive line part. We're going to review the starters and the mainstays and talk about how that rookie he shined and talk about the veteran that the Cowboys are going to have to make a decision on. Really two of them, but the one is the biggest one. We'll get to all of that after. Yeah, some coaching beef. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll dive into that in the roundup. More surgery for the Cowboys players. And finally, Sean Payton has been traded. You know, good and goddamn well. Where's my button at? Where's my button at here? Where's my button at? Mike McCarthy. See, I should have brought up my Mike McCarthy dance one. But Mike McCarthy is doing this right now at the start. Now, that does not mean that, that he is off the hook because Dan Quinn seems to be the new flavor of the month for the Joneses so that don't mean he's off the hook but it means he ain't got to worry about old Mike McCarthy or old Sean Payton looking over his back and we'll we'll get into that in the roundup but before we do that uh there's a little bit of I don't want to call it breaking news at this point but Tom Brady retired y'all Tom Brady maybe potentially retired we'll see uh let me ask y'all do y'all think that he really retired before we get into cowboy stuff because he dropped a video he did his whole thing he said i'm not gonna you know string this along it's not gonna be a long post or or a love letter to the league and friends i don't know how i feel about that man i i I don't know how I, i feel like he's retired right now february 1st shout out to black history month uh and apparently he retired last year on the same exact day and then 40 days later came back. What if what if San Fran come calling? What if San Fran says, hey, man, let's give it one more run with that defense, that talented offense, and that offense coordinator, knowing who Tom Brady is? I don't believe it. I don't believe it yet. Like, I, I just got to wait. I got to wait. Give me 40 more days. After 40 days, and I'll come back and I'll believe it. But y'all think Tom Brady's done? I don't know, man. Uh, Fresh said, I think all the family stuff really took a toll on him. I, I definitely think that that happened for sure. Uh, but he's not married now. Yeah. Uh, I think he's done. Somebody said again, for real. Yes, yes, Michael H. He he announced his retirement himself. He, he uh, put out a video on Twitter. Let's go, Professor O. TB12, yeah, I think he's done this time since Twan. 
I'm in a part of me. Yes, it's 46 or whatever it is. You can't keep playing, man. But it's Tom Brady. I've been through this with with um, Brett Favre. Brett Favre did the same thing a bunch of times, but didn't play this long. And here's the irony, right? Iceberg Q. If he is retired, the Dallas Cowboys will have sent him packing in the playoffs at that, by the way. And, and the reason why it's ironic is because the Cowboys couldn't beat Tom Brady his entire career, but could have done it on his final game of his illustrious Hall of Fame career, which I saw a stat that somebody had posted on Twitter. Brady legitimately could have been a Hall of Famer in three different decades. That's wild. That's wild. But if he is retired, all jokes aside, man, I've said this before, I'm probably in the minority about Tom Brady. I actually like Tom Brady. Um, believe this, believe it or not, man, when Tom Brady played the Eagles in the Super Bowl, I, I was astonished how many Cowboy fans were rooting for the Eagles because they hated Tom Brady and the Patriots. I'm like, what are you doing? But I like greatness. I think Tom Brady was great. Um, he, he reminds me of the Kobe Bryant's MJs of the, of the world when it comes to the passion and the and the want to to be the greatest of all time. I'm a huge Tom Brady fan, man. And I've said this to y'all plenty of times when, when people call the Patriots Bella cheat and all this other stuff. I say I don't care. I really don't care how it gets done. I'm dude, those dudes got what six Super Bowls over there. So I've never been one of those who despise the Patriots or who despise Tom Brady. I would have loved to have a Tom Brady or a Patriots run in Dallas by hook or crook. So I think he was great. Um, and to play as long as Tom Brady played in this league at the level that he did, is, I don't think you ever see it again. And I, and I understand that medicine is different. The rules are better. You, you see these Drew Breeses and Aaron Rodgers playing to the late 30s and to the early 40s. But what Tom was able to do to 45, 46, I don't know that we'll ever see that again, man, unless these rules continue to get worse and worse and worse and worse for the defense, and then maybe. And then they eventually put flags on them. But, yeah, you can play to your 50. But, uh, hey, man, if it is your last ride, Tom Brady, salute to you, sir. You were great. All right, let's get into the roundup real quick, Cowboys Nation, because – oh, by, by the way, man, shout-out to the Bomb Squad. I didn't get a chance to get y'all dropped. This is, this is part of y'all, too. Bomb Squad! Let's get into this roundup because – there's some interesting things that came out of today's newswire. Some Cowboys, some not Cowboys, but also got some ties to it. So let's do it. It's time! It's time! It's time! It's time! It's time for... It's time for the morning roundup. Round them up, boys. Hey, yo. Michael Gallup, according to Michael Gelkin, underwent an arthroscopic procedure on Tuesday to his right knee and right ankle. You know, most players, you know, they go through these things and, and they're banged up. But Gallup is also coming off of the ACL injury. So not only was he out there playing on a left ACL recovery, but his right leg, he was dealing with knee issues and ankle issues that required surgery. Now, I know a lot of people can say, oh, this is just standard procedure. You know, this is this is no big deal. Well, it is in a way when he's a guy you had to rely on. And we constantly came on here week after week watching the film and said, man, he's just not right. 
Now, we thought it was the knee that he got ACL surgery on. But poor little Ting Ting. But it wasn't just the knee that he was trying to recover from ACL, but also his other knee. So you got two bad knees and ankles or ankle. And you're you're having to be the wide receiver, too. And let's be honest here. Your wide receiver, too, showed up in week 14. Let's just be completely honest. And I'm talking about T.Y. Hill. So according to Gelkin, the scope gives Gallup his best chance of a healthy 2023 as he is further removed from his ACL tear to his left knee. I will say this. I don't care how much you pay Michael Gallup in this offseason or last offseason. You cannot go into this draft and this free agency and not prioritize wide receiver. I don't think you can do it. I don't think you can say, hey, we're just going to hope that he returns returns to 2019, 2024. Because we haven't seen that for two seasons due to a bunch of injuries. And to be completely honest and fair, Gallup's been a banged up guy since 2019. He's, he's been banged up guy. They elected to give him that contract and get your money, by the way, to separate the two. I'm talking about from a team building. Center. They elected to give the banged up guy the bread and at a position where receiver is starting to, in my opinion, creep up there in the top of the, you know, it's already in the money five is what we call it, but it's creeping up higher and higher because of the rules. And, uh, you know, Gallup wasn't able to be himself this year. He did contribute. He was, I thought he was best in the red zone, but you needed him to be better outside of that. And hopefully a year removed and some change from his, his uh, ACL injury, he gets back to that. But I am not putting all my eggs in the Michael Gallup basket. No, sir. No, sir. I'm going to get me a receiver or two. Because even if you do put it all in the Michael Gallup basket, it's not like your depth is there anyway. So hope Michael Gallup recovers fast and is able to get back right. And he and Lamb can be a formidable duo. Here we go. But I'm burying the biggest news that came out of yesterday, Cowboys Nation. Uh, this broke while Vach and I were live on the Vach Lombardi live show on the volume where Sean Payton and the Denver Broncos agreed to terms to be the next head coach, but they also had to agree, the Denver Broncos, that is, with the New Orleans Saints on trade compensation because he was still under contract. Now we finally got numbers. The Saints get the Broncos 2023 first round pick, which they received from San Francisco. I'm sorry, from the Dolphins, which they received from San Francisco for the Bradley Chubb trade. So Saints get the 2023 first round pick, 29th overall, and they get a 2024 second round pick. The Broncos get Sean Payton and the 2024 third round pick. Let me ask you this, Cowboys Nation. And if you want to call in, you can too. I forgot to put that up there. Uh, 351-999-3787. I got two answers to this. Or two questions, really. Ah, not really. Would you have traded a first-round pick this year and a second-round pick next year for Sean Payton? If you're the Cowboys. That's the caveat I want to put there. If you're the Cowboys. I'll just give you the answer right now. No. If I'm the Cowboys, I would not do it. And here's why. And then I'm going to give you why I think the Denver Broncos, I'm all for the Denver Broncos doing it. The Dallas Cowboys, I said this before, the reason why 
first round picks and second round picks are like gold here is because they do not participate or partake in the trade or free agent market. So think about what you're doing here. You would be giving up a first round pick, which they do pretty decent at, right? I mean, I'm being modest here. They do pretty damn good at a first round pick and next year's second round pick. We can kiki and poo poo the second round picks. They, they are all over the place with those. And then you're not going to probably recoup that in any trade. And you're also not going to go out and spend a bunch of money that could potentially replace those first and second round picks in free agency. So the way to grab the talent for you is the draft. So if I'm the Dallas Cowboys, I can't trade my first and second round pick for Sean Payton. I can't do it. Now, if they would have talked about, you know, day twos and three picks or whatever, then that's a different discussion. But I can't do it. If I'm the Denver Broncos, it's the 30th overall pick, right? And then it's next year's second round pick. I already got a top defense. I'm willing to spend money because they've done this. They've actually won a Super Bowl spending money. If I'm a Bronco fan, I'm not tripping about giving up that first round pick. It's the 30th overall or 29th, whatever it is. The Dolphins forfeited a pick. Overall pick. And then next year, you still have your first round pick. And they love to spend money. So they're not looking at it as, ah, man, as a fan, man, we're not going to go out there and go get a whoever the top free agent is or one of the top free agents. They will do it. They've done it. They did it last season. I mean, they went out and traded for Russ. They went out and signed Randy Gregory. They, you know, they, they made, you know, they traded some decent pieces that they drafted to go get a Russell Wilson. So I get it for the Denver Broncos point for the Cowboys. They can't do it because they don't replenish those type of resources through free agency or trades. If that makes sense to y'all. So I think I saw Toxic say yes. I'm interested. Call call in if you can, Toxic. I want to hear your explanation and if if my explanation made sense to y'all. Um, a lot of no's. I'm seeing a whole lot of no's here for Dallas, uh, for Cowboy fan, and, and and I get that, right? I also like Mike as well, and I thought Mike, you know, when he won that playoff game, I didn't, I didn't think his job was up for, you know, up for debate. But we kind of had those conversations, so it's overwhelmingly no. Uh, I do want to hear from anyone that believes yes. Give me a call if you can. I'll try to catch your your chat if I can, but the chat be going through. Um, So we'll talk about that a little bit coming out of the roundup. But before we get into that, more coaching news. More coaching news. Albert Breer was on the Dan Patrick show, and and, uh, Dan Patrick asked Albert Breer about the McCarthy-Moore relationship, if Moore was fired and whatnot. And listen to what Albert Breer had to say about Mike McCarthy and Kellen Moore. I heard things weren't great between him and Mike McCarthy at the end. Um, And, you know, I I don't know if it was finally the fact that they were both sort of play callers by trade that got them or it was the way that Dak played. What I do know is like that that arrangement that I think had worked okay but had its ups and downs over three years had sort of run its course and obviously there were some great opportunities to be an offensive coordinator elsewhere for Kellen Moore and I think this sort of allowed them to come to a 
everybody wins type of scenario. This shouldn't come as a surprise to me because when you listen to Mike, and I'm mad I didn't find that audio from one of our first words from early in the season, this has been kind of setting up that these two guys, I want to say we're at odds, but clearly weren't sepatigos is the word that I used. Last year after they lost to San Fran, they were asking him about the game plan and why they didn't do this and why they didn't do that. And McCarthy said, I, I didn't install it. I, if you install it, you call it. That's why McCarthy or Kellen Moore is calling plays and why things went X, Y, Z. That was clear throwing you under the bus right there. You install it, you call it. And then we saw this, this again after week one where they asked him about the ratio, the balance and whatnot. And McCarthy comes out and says, yeah, me and McCarthy, we got to be smarter. Kellen, and, and we got to be smarter. We're going to sit down. We're going to review the play sheet. And you saw McCarthy kind of get a hold a little bit of Kellen and say, hey, we got to be more balanced. And it felt like reluctantly he wanted to be ba- be balanced in regards to Kellen Moore, but he was balanced. And then after we heard the game from, I think it was the Washington game, I wanted to throw. I, everything in me wanted to throw, but I'm learning and I'm growing. Th- these two just never felt like that. Then a few weeks later, you hear McCarthy come out. Ah, man. Love love this question about option routes. I don't like option routes. That's not what I do, but but this is what I've come into, most aggressive option route. So for a good year, and at the end of the season last year in the postseason, McCarthy has kind of been tired of just sitting back and catching the heat for the system. So he started to speak up a little bit. Um, and I bet Kellen was probably also like, you know what, man? Let me go do me without this weird structure here in Dallas. And this is where I put the blame on this relationship on the front office. I don't know how you can look at this organizational structure of the franchise and not understand it is not conducive to consistent. And this is what I've always said. Consistent success or even conducive to short term ultimate success. It's neither. This is the second time, and you would think Jerry would learn, the second time he has chosen his offensive coordinator prior to his head coach and made the head coach acquiesce to what the offensive coordinator was doing. This time around, you actually chose an offensive-minded head coach who has a completely different philosophy than the offensive coordinator that you have. What you think is finna happen? At some point, at some point, the guy who's been around the block, who's who ain't wet behind the ears, breath smell like Similac, Mike McCarthy, who's won a Super Bowl, who's been around Hall of Fame coaches, who's been around Super Bowl winning systems, is going to look across the hall and say, what the hell is this? But he can't say it out loud. He got to whisper it. Because he's the golden child. He's the chosen one. The difference here is that chosen one's mystique, I think, started to fade a little bit. And a new chosen one started to arise, and that is Dan Quinn. Because best believe, if Dan Quinn was Rob Ryan, if Dan Quinn was Mike Nolan, if Dan Quinn was Rob Marinelli, Dan Quinn would have been up out of here, and they would... When I say they, Jerry Jones would have made Mike McCarthy 
acquiesce once again with Kellen Moore. But Dan Quinn has a sparkle, or whatever you call it, of the eye of the Joneses now. And they're like, whatever. Kellen, go do your thing. McCarthy, if you don't want him back, cool. The guy that we like behind you now is Dan Quinn. So like Albert Breer said, it's a win-win. It's a win-win for the McCarthy situation. It's a win-win for Kellen. This was this was not good for either of those dudes. And I know I'm hard on Kellen Moore, but this ain't fair to Kellen either. He has a guy that's probably not all the way in favor of what he does. And when I talk about organizational consistency, and let me bring you guys back here. Appreciate y'all for joining me if you're jumping up in here. I talked about organizational consistency from top to bottom when we talk about the, the Niners. We talk about the Eagles and, and, and the, the big four that were just left. The uh the Bengals, the the Chiefs. We're talking about owner allows the general manager to do his thing. The general manager allows the coaches to do their thing. And then the coaches make the players buy into what they do. That's not how it works here. That's not how it works here. So to hear that they were at odds at the end, they weren't at odds at just the end. Best believe that. They weren't at odds at just the end. And we can say, hey, man, Kellen, or not Kellen Moore, Mike McCarthy signed up for this. He absolutely did. He absolutely, so we got to put some blame on Mike McCarthy because he signed up for this. But as a guy who's been around the block as a Super Bowl winning coach, and as a guy who's probably not scared of the Joneses, it's only so much that he's going to probably take from a power standpoint that eventually he's going to want to do what he wants to do or he's going to speak out about it, and he did. And Kellen was probably like, you know, enough is enough. McCarthy's enough is enough. And the Joneses were like, oh, all right, I ain't worried about y'all anyway. That guy over there. If this don't work out, that guy over there. Because there's no pressure on the Joneses. The Joneses, can, they can take their time with this. They took their time with Dave Campbell. They took their time with Jason Garrett. They took their, they're going to take their time with Mike McCarthy. They have no pressure. Oh, my goodness. I look over in the chat. And once again, y'all arguing with Mr. Bernie. What you done did now? Oh, Lord. We're going to try to move. We're going to try to move forward, chat. But I appreciate the engagement, man. But Jesus. All right. Uh, let's get let's get my guy. Toxic Tom in here on the Pulse of the Nation hotline. Look, it's bad out there right now in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. If you're not around here right now, it's, it's really bad. Uh, and I'm imagining there's a bunch of accidents. I saw some videos yesterday um, where trucks were pulling semis and couldn't get up the hill, and it just was really bad. So if you get side-swiped or something crazy happens and you need some legal representation, hit up my guys, Larry and Brian at the Cochran Firm. They will help you out. They'll fight for you. And they make sure you're taken care of, man. Give them a call at 1-800-THE-FIRM. Or you can hit up the CochranTexas.com for your free consultation today. Toxic, talk to me, brother. Talk to me. Good morning, Sky, first off. And I uh, want to say sorry for the loss that you had. Just wanted to get that out of the way, too, and let you know that, you know, Thank it really you. sucks when you lose someone close to you. And, you Thank know, you. you're a human, too. Don't want you to feel like you're just a personality. I appreciate that. Um, so 
I would 1,000% trade for Sean Payton. And the reason why is there's a quote I heard a long time ago that says, leaders who don't listen will eventually be surrounded by people who have nothing to say. And I I look at Sean Payton, and I know for a fact he would not do that song and dance we just did with Kellen Moore. We wasted how many good teams because we tried the same stupid way. And I know Sean Payton comes in and they gave up draft capital – He's got BDE, and he's going to walk in there, and he's going to tell them, I'm not doing this, I'm not doing this, I'm doing this, you're going to give me what I need, you brought me in here, I'm not wasting any time. That is exactly why I would want Sean Payton. He would be the catalyst of something that has needed to be changed, like I said, since Windows 95 came out, when AOL dial-up internet was out. When Jay-Z was just an aspiring rapper hoping to put out his first album, that's how long it's been. And that is exactly why I would trade for Sean Payton. Because I know I've seen Sean Payton win games with Taysom Hill. What do you think he would do for Dak Prescott? And I look at how he built his teams in New Orleans, and I know he would probably have to grab Stephen Jones by the neck and go, hey, see that cap space? Yeah, we're spending it. We're not saving it like it's a 401k or a trust fund. We're spending that shit. F them picks. We're kicking that money down the road. Don't ever talk about my quarterback that way because I need him to win. He's our best chance to succeed. And, oh, by the way, we're going to give him weapons like I did for Drew Brees and everyone else. And I think it was last week someone was saying, talking about Drew Brees and San Diego. Drew Brees in San Diego was nothing special at all. That was me. That was me who said that, you know, when Drew Brees wasn't Drew Brees until he linked up with Sean Payton. And then when he got with Sean Payton, all he did was surround him with talent and built a scheme around him so that way they could constantly be in contention. Now, do they have some bad breaks? Absolutely. But I'd be wrong if I said that the Saints were always in contention when Sean Payton was a head coach for the most part. For sure. And always had Drew Brees in the best situation to win. And I'll leave it at this. Cowboys Nation, when was the last time our franchise quarterback was put in the best position to succeed by the front office and the coaching staff. And I'll leave it at that. Thank you, sir. Well, oh, wait, wait, oh dang it. I wanted, to, I wanted to talk to you, man, about Sean Payton thing. Because I think your argument, and, and you'll go back in the chat, so you're saying that you, you'll be for trading for Sean Payton because it would indicate they would allow Sean Payton to essentially take over. And, and, and please elaborate toxic if i'm correct so if you're saying they if they if they if they trade for sean and are willing to give up first round picks you're saying that means they're going to fall back and let sean payton do his okay yep he says yes 100 that's actually fair right like like that's a different take on it like if they're going to if they're going to be willing to do that for instance my my um Hey, I want the the franchise to do something they never do. Take would be to go all in. Yours is if they're going to do something they never do. Well, damn it, trade for this for trade for this uh, head coach and allow him to be this this say y'all. So that's fair. That's absolutely fair. Um, and in that instance, if you can guarantee me that when Sean Payton arrives, Sean Payton will be allowed to pick his staff. He will be allowed to implement his offense. He'll be allowed to spend money in free agency, make trades. And say f those picks or f that that cap, didn't yeah, dare. Hell yeah, I'd be all for it. But I was thinking of it from a cowboy standpoint, where th- they haven't allowed anybody to do that since Jimmy Johnson, right? And 
So so if you understand where I come from, I definitely understand where you're coming from. Oh, I like to hear from Coach Marv. Coach Marv, what's goody, man? What's going on, Scott? Scott, you know, speaking on that, and I'm, I'm just speaking on that one 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 thing I want to say about the Sean Payton thing. Okay, I know y'all had a a group uh, a group panel where I think all ten of y'all got the, all the YouTube um, Cowboy YouTube got together, and y'all had a, a group session last early off season. in the season. It was it was actually right. last in, in preseason, I believe, something like that. And you made one of the best statements that 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 suits this the the Sean Payton if Sean Payton was to come here, conflict is sometimes good. Yeah, and Sean Payton would present that strong uh, uh, personality that will push back on some of the things. Not saying that he would win all, but that conflict and having that. Having that that mantra of saying, "I don't have to be here; I could be someplace else." We have that saying of a pushback that will allow sometimes that conflict to bring out the best of the Cowboys, and that's. And you look at the history of the Cowboys. I go way back, and Tom Landry didn't always set horses with the Tex Rams, and uh, Jimmy Johnson didn't always set perfectly with the Joneses and for Bill Parsons for the time he was here, he didn't want a Super Bowl, but he, he didn't always set horses with everything that was brought in and this, and they seem like the Cowboys in this great big media conglomerate of the Cowboys. Sometimes you need that inner struggle with inside that push back to bring out the best 100%. of the organization. So, that that was the greatest point. I, I I remember that show, and that's the only thing I remember out that show because I felt that was the greatest statement of that whole panel when you made that statement. And that conflict is sometimes good. Yeah, um, it's something so, that me and B Bird talked about last year. Um, I think during the season, after the season, and then probably continue to do it. And I wonder, just just coach, I I wonder if McCarthy is 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 going to start you know stirring up some conflict i wonder if he already started stirring up some conflict but within the coaching ranks i think what we're talking about though is stirring up that conflict with the suits like nobody has really done that with the suits right and and those and those and those and those uh, coaches that i named in the cowboys history they had the the ability to say that i'm wanted by everybody to be a head coach and that i don't have to be there at the dallas cowboys to be successful and every right. other coach that we have hired, it seemed like they was given the job or given this second chance when nobody else wanted, where they felt sometimes compromised because they was at the guys' Cowboys and they were trying to keep their job because they didn't feel that they can go nowhere else. And sometimes you can weigh that on people. So that's what I, that's the only thing about that. And it could have been a – I think Sean Payton would have worked well because I believe that the Cowboys, Will McClay, can draft he has showed that. So he would have trusted that and it would have been a a, a a give and take type situation. But I wanted one one thing I wanted to go uh, I sent a super chat in and I and, and I really really want the answer to this. Kellen Moore brought a wide receiver coach in here from Boys State last year. Yeah Prince. And from Houston. I don't feel that he developed any of the talent in the wide receiver core. They had problems with the option routes, figuring them out. 
that had problems with dropping balls. We had young guys that didn't pan out that he that we started early in the season that end up not being on this roster at the end. I don't think he helped the wide receiver core at all. And my question is, if you're bringing in a new offensive coordinator and you're changing the, the, the scope of this offense, and you, as we said about the offensive line, we're trying to change the maybe the identity of the offensive line and maybe bring someone in here, which I love your, your idea of Mike Munchak, to get tougher and physical. Why, in the, out of all the coaches, why is this guy still here? I, I can't speak as if I know what, what all, you know, I think it's, I forget his first name, whatever Prince, I think that's his last name, uh, what Prince does. I, I really can't speak on if he's any has any part on implementing, you know, play calling, play design, or what have you. But I, let me ask you this. You could be the greatest wide receiver coach of all time. How much are you really getting out of no legs, Michael Gallup, a wide receiver five who, be honest, a lot of people thought this was a career year from for Noah Brown, but whatever. Uh, wide receiver career five, Noah Brown, um, Dennis Houston, uh, Simi got hurt, he didn't play. Who who was the other guy? I mean, Lamb is Lamb, but I mean, who who are we talking about here? Like who who is he working? I'm not, with? I'm, like how do I'm we? Not talking about you. Like how? I understand what, that, what I'm saying is how do we? How do we? I don't even see no development who? of that. De- de- developing who? Because. Because there's no developing Michael Gallup. He's a four-year, five-year pro. He, he's a he's a guy already, and he's coming off an ACL injury. I mean, you could argue C.D. Lamb had a career year. I don't know if you want to give Prince that credit. Um, we could argue that Noah right. Brown developed into a wide receiver three, four this year. Um, there is no development of a Semi Feogo or Dennis Houston or rookies Jalen Tober. Those guys couldn't pick up the playbook. So, I, listen, I understand the frustration. I just don't know what what evidence do I have to base to judge Prince I don't have enough because he was given the hand he was dealt and look I mean how many guys are going to get Pro Bowl or you know years out of that Michael Gallup or that uh uh Noah Brown or you know what I mean and how much how much does he how much say does he have in a Turpin getting a rock right like so I don't know. Right. Coach, I, I, understand, I, I, I understand. I understand. Understand where you're coming from. I, I got to reach Scott's out. Do, you know, I, I got to reach out. Let, let, let me let me do some let me do some digging. Let me reach out and let me see if if there's a Prince issue in that building. If your receivers weren't filling them, if McCarthy wasn't filling them, uh, I don't know. So I can't really give you a straight answer on on, on Prince. I'm kind of at a, a TBD to be decided. Right. And that, and my, my my only reason I said that is is because I really think that the Prince had some uh connection with Kellen Moore of why he got the job because he was a boy state guy and he worked and I think that if if you want to make sure that if you're going in a different direction that you want if you're going to a more West Coast offense, you wanna have someone familiar, just like if you're doing a different run scheme, somebody familiar if you're bringing them into that of that that scheme as a coach for sure that's familiar more with that that, that part that's of all I'm just that part of what you're saying I, I I agree with like if you're gonna look to shift uh, philosophies in general and McCarthy wants to just bring in a guy he's more familiar with yes but the other part with like what the hell is he doing here he didn't do nothing for this receiving core type situation I don't know because I know I could just all I can do is look at the hand he was given and it wasn't a good hand so it's hard for me to judge and and, and I don't know what he does. Like I don't know, 
I can't blame him right. for for guys dropping the, like Noah Brown dropping the ball, you know, and, and for an interception in the pick six and, and dropping ball. Like I don't I don't really know what he's responsible for. You know what I'm saying? That's all. Right, and you know, you, you, but you like you said, you get and you, he was dealt a bad hand that didn't have the receiver core, but you you do get judged by the the the, the play of your room, um, sure. and that's just the bottom line of it. So. But yeah, that's what I want to say. And but yeah, that conflict uh, statement that you made is 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 key. And I think that's a key, Scott, to uh, for us getting over the hump of who's going to bring that conflict to push back a little bit and and not not say they're going to dominate or run things, but to push back some. And that way we can get the best ideas because you got you got two ideas coming, and then we can come out with the best solution instead of having one way of thinking and one person. Yes, man. Thinking yeah. and making around the whole thing. Yeah. 100%. Appreciate it, Scott. Yeah, appreciate it, brother. Thanks for the call, Coach, and, and, and the perspective. You made me open up my my mind on the on Prince, so I'm going to definitely reach out and see if uh, what's going on with, with that situation because, look, I mean, I don't think everything is finalized. Uh, with, with McCarthy, we don't even know who's going to be the OC, man. What if the OC actually has some power and he's like, yeah, I want to move on from this coach as well, which, again, this whole thing is just structurally crazy. It's it's a mess. And it's and it's a mess that these coaches and these players have to navigate through. And I've said this to y'all many of times. You may be new here, but if you ain't, you know how I feel. I feel like the coaches and the players, the coach have to overcome the front office, and then the, the players have to overcome the coaching more often than not. And, and I just don't think that's conducive to consistently winning or conducive to getting to the ultimate goal on the short term, that's it's too much pull pulling against each other. I need this thing to be flowing from top to bottom, top to bottom, and I, I can't say that that's going to be the case. But stick around, Cowboys Nation, on the second half of the show, um, we will we'll definitely be getting we'll be, we will be getting to this offensive line. We'll break down and review uh, their season. But I knew this first part would be a hot topic, so uh, let me get um, eight. Let me get let me get Twan. My bad. And a six zero. Then we'll switch. We'll switch gears a little bit here. Uh, Twan, I haven't heard from you in a minute. What's good? What's good, Scott? What's good, Scott? I know it's been a minute. Um, first things first. Uh, you know, I got. Uh, I, I have a lot to say on this one because I really think Cowboys fans really need to hear me out on this one. First and foremost, goodbye, Kevin Moore. Uh, you. Uh, <laughs> Uh, you know, I will not miss the four curl right option rounds. I will not miss the suspect play calling. And I will not miss you sabotaging my franchise quarterback. I'm sorry. And you saved your ass a lot of times this year. But I digress, I digress. We've already had that conversation. So goodbye. Good luck with the Chargers. Go fuck up Austin Eckler's and Justin Herbert. <laughs> nah, I think Herbert's still uh, putting up numbers. But we'll see what happens in those yeah. situational moments. Mm-hmm. Cowboys fans. Your, I think you, your question was, would I, would I have given up picks for Sean Payton? Not picks. And first and second round picks. First and second round picks. Yeah. The ultimate answer is no, because if you really look at it, bro, as far as Sean Payton and Mike McCarthy goes, they're really on the same level. And I, and I look back into this. Both have worked with only really, what, one Hall of Famer quarterback each, which is Drew Brees and Aaron Rodgers, respectively. Correct. Both Their resumes are almost identical. Exactly. Sean Payton is nine and eight in the playoffs, and McCarthy is eleven and ten. 
And really why it, it really will honestly still be the same is because Sean Payton took a year off, like Mike McCarthy did before coming to Dallas. So that's relatively similar. So what I'm trying to get at here is Cowboys fans, but, like, I don't think what Mike McCarthy has done with this franchise is ultimately give him credit for that. Because, one, in spite of what we're going through, we've won. We're winning. Two back-to-back 12-5 seasons. And I really think this time the Joneses are really actually finally listening to him and giving him full control this time. So let's see what he does. Give him that fair shot this year, Cowboys. That's all I'm saying. And let's see where we go from here. Because yeah. I don't honestly think what, – because what? Say if we do trade for Champagne and we get him, it's still going to be the same thing. Well, the, the argument the argument is that with with Sean, he has enough, you know, juice that it wouldn't be the same because he would he would change things up, and that's kind of where I want to talk about it though. But appreciate the call, Tuan. Thank you. All right. Yeah. So I, yes, their resumes are the same, but I'm not going to fake the funk. I do not view those guys as the same. I don't. I I think that that Sean Payton would demand um, more power, and I think he would get it. I think Sean Payton, from an offensive mind standpoint, I prefer Sean Payton um, over over Mike McCarthy. This is not me dissing Mike McCarthy. I think when you when you evaluate the two, I think you have to dig deeper than just the surface. And this is what I said yesterday about um, other fans, right? Other fans, when they see oh Kellen Moore's going to Chargers, they look at the surface and they say, oh man, look at this, look at look at all this. This looks great, but they're not really looking deeper because they're not cowboy fans. They don't, they don't study the film of the actual play calls. They don't look at the situations. They don't see the small little things that are, or the trends really uh, that have been issues with, with the said team. They just look at the surface. Same thing with McCarthy and Sean. I think on the surface, the resumes look, Oh man, these are the same guys. But I think when you dig a little bit deeper, there are things about Sean Payton that I think you can talk yourself into wanting on your team. Some people will say, no, He's, he ruins cap. He does this. I can care about cap personally. Uh, I'd rather I'd rather go through legitimate cap hell trying to get that ring than tiptoeing around the whole situation. Uh, and I just I like Sean Payton's offensive mind. I, I feel like he's so creative in a ways to get even even super role players the ball. I, I always forget that dude's name and. In New Orleans, number eleven, I think he wore. He, he he scored that long touchdown against Dallas, but he gets guys like that involved, and he would have got a Kevonte Turpin involved. He would have gotten uh, Pollard, the Rock, from a receiving standpoint. Malik Davis would have been involved. I remember the year they went to the Super Bowl. It was they had three running backs that was that was involved. wasn't just one. You know, so that's why that's where I favor him. But I get the whole Sean Payton, Kellen Moore. I'm sorry, Sean Payton, Mike McCarthy, same guy. I get it. But when I dig a bit deeper, I absolutely love Sean Payton's offensive mind. That's all. All right, eight six zero, and then let's let's take a quick break and let's talk about this offensive line. What's good, eight six zero? Hey, what's good, Sky? I'm just calling to tell you we got Kellen Moore out of here. So that's a good thing. I don't, I don't care about Kellen Moore. It was fake. Dak did all the work. Shit don't matter. Justin Herbert going to be upset at the end of the day with his play calling. Because all it's going to be is this out route. I think Herbert will and succeed from a statistical standpoint, right? I, I think he'll be 
if they don't take his weapons away. I mean, there's there's rumors over there about Keenan Allen because he's getting up there in age and he's a hurt guy. Mike Williams can't stay healthy for for whatever reason. They got a head coach who makes stupid decisions over there. But um, I think from a number standpoint, Herbert's going to put up numbers. I mean, he's a fantastic talent. And I don't think that Kellen will be held back in throwing the rock, right? Like, we ran the ball. We were very balanced on this team this year. And I don't think Kellen really wanted to be. So I think he's going to go to San, or he's going to go to L.A. And he's going to let Justin Herbert throw that rock all over the field. And he's going to put up a lot of numbers. But we'll see what happens in the postseason if he gets there. And I don't, and I don't, I don't, I don't think he's going to get it done in the postseason. And to answer your question, what I would have traded um, those picks for Sean Payton, honestly, like you said, no, I wouldn't did it because we don't go after people and free agency. And with this draft, my personal opinion, I want to see either a lineman or wide receiver drafted with the first pick. But I, I, I personally think with your first three picks, go all offense. That's my honest regard opinion with it. I don't think I disagree. And and I kind of got some energy yesterday on the Boston Boy Live show. We were talking draft, and I'm excited because next week we'll, we'll start diving into the draft. We'll get foots on here. And I think the first – Unit I'm looking at is offensive line and then wide receiver. So I don't I don't think right now without thinking about it I don't think I disagree with you, man. Yeah, yeah. No, that's all I have. I appreciate you, buddy. Appreciate the call, man. Enjoy your day, man. That's a, that's a perfect segue. Great call, perfect segue because we're going to talk about the Cowboys' current offensive line, how they play this past season, and the decisions that they're going to have to make moving forward. There's going to be even with even with the rookie who shined, there's an important decision they're going to have to make with him as well. Uh, let me get a couple reads out that I did not do. My apologies. This may be, this may look like a NASCAR situation. But first off, uh, we talked about Michael Gallup's injury earlier. That we'll say that's presented by Orthopedic Sports Medicine Institute in Fort Worth, Texas. Uh, we had Doctor Booth be on earlier this week that will be dropping today make sure you click that notification bell he talked about uh tony pollard surgery and if he could potentially be back full strength and how all of that goes and pretty fascinating stuff so make sure y'all check that out and if you are in the dallas fort worth area and you need an orthopedic specialist hit those guys up in the fort worth decatur or mansfield area you can contact them at osmifw.com for your free hassle no hassle Hassle-free, no-hassle appointment today. Also, not quite Dubai Sky, but Boston Scientific. Look, if you're one of 39 million men suffering from ED in this country, hit up Boston Scientific. They have created edcure.org to help you, to assist you, to learn the severity or risk that you have of ED. And if you have a condition that puts you at a higher risk, they've got customized content for you. You can contact them at edcure.org. Brought to you by Boston Scientific. You're listening to A to Z Sports. Do it live! At some point, hoping to broadcast in front of the millions of Cowboys fans to bring you the real. But for now, strap up and... Here's your host, Skywalker Steel. I'm Luke Skywalker. I'm here to rescue you. 
We'll do it live. Yeah, man, I'm I'm pretty excited now. I know yesterday I was like, man, I don't want to do draft stuff just quite yet because that means it's the final nail in the coffin. But, you know, doing draft stuff, draft coverage yesterday with Vosh kind of got me going. Um, so we'll be diving into the film room probably this weekend. And we'll talk about some players next week. We'll get some draft uh, folks on and start moving forward. We'll continue our hindsight series, but we'll mix in, obviously, some draft coverage as well. We got the Senior Bowl coming up. And one way that one thing that gets me going for the draft is the Senior Bowl. So we're actually going to start with Senior Bowl stuff. I already seen a couple guys down near that. I'm very interested in uh, researching and digging in on and then obviously watching the Senior Bowl itself. So uh, make sure y'all stick around for all that stuff, man. We'll have it all covered in this community. I tell you that much. We'll have it all covered. Now, Dallas may be looking into the offensive line early, and a lot of us believe they should. When you look at, and let's go through our offensive line over the last season, I called them the offensive line mainstays because not all these guys started all year, but they were guys who got the most tick. And when you start at the top, you're talking about Zach Martin, another all-pro year. Some would argue uh, still wasn't his best season, but... When you look around the league and you stack them up, he was still one of the best offensive guards in the league. Zach Martin will be here again, but Zach is the last of the Mohegans in regards to that stellar all-world offense line from 2014. I believe he'll be the last of the Mohegans. But he's Zach. Zach is Zach, and as long as he wants to continue to play, I think Zach will always be a supreme positive on that offensive line. Not a whole lot to say about Zach. Had a fantastic year. Uh, Tyler Biotish, <laughs> or should I say Tyler Pro Bowl, buy it ass. Nah, he was elected to the Pro Bowl as an alternate. I, I don't know that I would have went that far and say he was a Pro Bowl player. Remember, I said this before. You can be selected to the Pro Bowl nowadays. It could mean nothing. But were you a legitimate Pro Bowl player? I don't think that Tyler was a legitimate Pro Bowl player. And that's fine. I never viewed Tyler as that. I, I, he didn't need to be that. But I thought Tyler was a steady guy on this offensive line, and we saw the importance when he left uh, briefly uh, for the Cowboys for about a about a game and a half. But he is on an impressive streak. He is on an impressive streak. We talked about when we did our awards. I ain't going to do no awards for the after the season. I'm not in the spirit, man, after the way we lost. But he has not given up a sack in well over 2,000 snaps but over 1,300 pass-blocking snaps. He has not given up a sack. Uh, been credited at the very least. So that's pretty impressive. Biotis was a steady guy. Um, uh, the way I feel about Biotis is the same last year in regards to going into this draft. Unless it's one of them ones at center, I'm not wasting my first-round pick or even a second, really, unless he's one of them ones, on the center position going into this draft. Now, we can throw some darts on day three and see what happens, and let's rock. But I don't think center is a need because you have Tyler Biotish. But if I can get a Linderbaum type of dude, I guess the conversation can switch. But Biotish is a guy that you can obviously conduct a productive offense with. He's not all world. He's not a bad player by any means. He's solid, and I'll take it. Connor McGovern. Now, this is where things start to get tricky because you're talking about contracts. Connor McGovern, Cowboys Nation, 
we, we forget was a third round pick who we as a team who grooms offensive linemen, you expect it to be a, a mainstay, right? For years to come. I don't think Connor McGovern developed into that. What Connor McGovern developed into was what I would, would consider a reliable role player. A reliable role player. Um, upgradable, absolutely. I don't think it's that difficult to upgrade from Connor McGovern, but a guy that I don't mind having on my team under a rookie contract to play swing tackle or swing guard, swing center, whatever you want to call it. I don't mind that. But from a third-round pick, I was hoping he'd be a mainstay starter. I never viewed Connor McGovern that way. Don't think he played that, that way. But uh, he had some steady moments throughout the season. I'm not upset at McGovern's season, but he's not a guy I'm spending money to bring back. Now, if they bring him back on some cheap deal like they love to do, one-year deal to kind of smooth things over and, and, and allow guys to compete for a spot, Sure, I'm with it, but I feel like I can get a guy in a draft. I feel like I can probably upgrade in free agency. Not a guy I'm really super, super high on. Connor McGovern, how y'all feel about Connor McGovern? I feel like he's a a, a reliable role player, not not a starter that I'm I'm going to be sticking my chest out for. A lot of people are saying bring him back cheap. If he's going to come back, come back cheap. He's good if you're in a pinch. That's fair. A lot of... <laughs> DMV says, see ya. See ya. Uh, yeah, Danny, I, I, I think that uh, that's where I'm at with it. And we'll get to that here in a second. Now, let's get to my cousin, Terrence Steele. I, I couldn't be more proud of Terrence Steele's development on this team, which you started to see a little bit at the tail end of that terrible 2020 year. And then you hear about him in the building. First one in, last one out. Off-season work. His work ethic is right up there. You see the athleticism. And he put it together at right tackle in 2021 when uh, when uh, Lyell went out. And then this year, a lot of people were questioning it. I, I thought I was fine with Lyell moving on and going with Terrence still at right tackle because I thought Terrence showed you enough at right tackle. I thought he was he was damn good. I thought, I thought Terrence still... Played his way into being one of the better right tackles in this league. A guy, if you're talking about the future of the position, you got to start, you got to name him. Hey, who's the next wave of those those right tackles in the league? Terrence Steele's name need to be put up in there. He's one of the best run blocking right tackles in the league. And I thought he's what, very, more than serviceable as a pass protector. More than serviceable. Did he get beat from time to time? Sure. Guys get beat. He gave up one sack at right tackle this year. He gave up one sack at right tackle last year. Credited. Yes, he gave up pressures. Only four quarterback hits. And here's the impressive thing. After his first game where he had four false start penalties, or four penalties, three false start, he only had two penalties the rest of the way. Two. Terrence still should be a rock on your offensive line moving forward. Without a doubt. And I was looking to try to get ahead of this thing just in case he did continue to improve where you got him under this cheap Lyle deal that they did with Lyle Collins um, after his third year or some something like that. I think it was the second year. I think when you're an unrestricted or undrafted free agent, you can actually negotiate a contract extension after two years. Didn't happen, but he is a restricted free agent. So they may elect to say, well, let's see if Terrence Steele uh, can come back from this ACL injury 
before we elect to pay him uh, right tackle, big right tackle money. Or you can go the other way. You can say, let's get ahead of this thing. We believe in Terrence Steele's work ethic. We believe in Terrence Steele's talent. We believe Terrence Steele will continue to get better. Let's get ahead of this. And that way we get a five to $10 million discount by, by the time that he would have been due for another contract and because of the market continuing to go up. So um, I, either way, I'm cool. If they want to extend him, I'm, I'm down with that. If they want to allow you know themselves some room for error to see if he can come back uh, and be the same guy or better uh, after the ACL, I'm cool with that too. I will say this, talking to Dr. Boothby, uh, coming back from the ACL for the lineman is going to be different than coming back for the ACL for receiver in a positive way, in a positive way. And here's where things get a little dicey. And this is where I want to hear from y'all. Tyron Smith gets hurt in August. I was at the practice when it happened. As soon as he went down, I looked at Boss Cowboy and I said, man, that's it, man. That's enough. It's enough. And they drafted the guy below him, Tyler Smith, to eventually replace Tyron Smith. And we just didn't think it happened in 2022. Well, it did in a way. And we'll get to that in a point. Tyler Smith filled in for Tyron. Tyron sat out for most of the season, came back. And as, as soon as he came back, Terrence Steele goes down. So they elect to put Tyron Smith at right tackle. And he looked uncomfortable over there. But I did thought I thought he played decent in the San Fran game, but that's not really the conversation we want to have, right? We want to we want to have the conversation of do you bring back Tyron Smith to essentially be your right tackle until Terrence Steele is ready? Or do you wash your hands, Cowboys Nation? I'll give you my answer here. I want to know what you think they should do. Should they bring back Tyron Smith? As is, you're not messing with his deal. You're not restructuring. Well, maybe you can ask him to take a pay cut. Um, or do you wash your hands and you let him go? So here's the thing. If you wash your hands and you let Tyron Smith go, you immediately become, get in the positive in the cap situation. Immediately. By designating him a June 1st cut. Now you won't receive. Here's what I say immediately. It's really not immediately. If you do it June 1st, you won't receive the the, the pay until after June 1st. So let me let me not lie to y'all. But if you do it as a pre-June 1st, you still get in the positive, but you deal with a little bit more of the dead money. You will get a $10 million cap saving if you cut him pre-June 1st. 13 14 million dollar cap saving if you do it post june 1st a lot of numbers a lot of stuff i know regardless if you move on from tyron smith you will recoup a ton of cap space if they elect to use it here's the thing with dallas will they use it we don't know maybe they use it to extend lamb digs whatever i'm i'm more on that side i'm more on that side i i, I think we you you thank tyron smith for what he was able to do with this franchise. He's going to go to the Hall of Fame. Um, he, he was a hell of a run. He was a freak for a long time. But at some point, like, and this is the point, right? You're, he's broken. He's completely broken from a health standpoint. It's not a matter of if he'll get hurt again. It's a matter of when he'll get hurt again. And you can't rely on him. 
So there's only two options. Cut him and, and, and recoup all of that cap savings or ask him to take a pay cut like you did with uh, DeMarcus Lawrence, but way lower. Way lower. I'm talking. I'm, I'm talking. He can't count no ten million dollars against the cap this year. Like it's got to be half of that. And then you tell him, "Hey, man, you're not going to be one of our mainstay starters. You're going to be our swing tackle. Um, when Steele was ready, he's our right tackle. And if Tyler or draft pick is ready, they're going to be the left tackle. And you can continue to to if you want to continue to play football and be around your guys, be around an organization." Sure, from a swing tackle standpoint, at a ridiculous discount. So what would y'all do, man? Cut him, but thank you, Tyrant, for the services. I give him 10, dude, been underpaid for years. No, I'm not giving him. I'm not if it, I'm not doing I'm not letting Tyrant count 10 million against the cap. Probably ain't even getting 10 games out of him. I'd rather take that 10 million and go do something with it, but we're talking about the Cowboys here. Uh, started 17 of the last 50 games. Yeah, that's it's time to go. Twan said, we got no depth, guy. You're right, we don't. Uh, but that's where you go out in free agency and you and you draft and you try to supplement that. And yes, Professor Rove, uh, roughly 14, 13.6. Post-June 1st, roughly 10, 9.5 if you cut them now. And that's why I say, is it, I'd do it now so I can use that money. Like, is it worth the extra 4 million and some change? Eh. I don't know about all that. I, I I I just use the money. Michael said, "Pay the man." Trying to get some of these. Yeah, we don't we don't play in free agency. This is true. This is true. I think the be- the best outcome for everybody to be happy would be for Tyron Smith to take a an extremely high pay cut on an extremely low deal that doesn't hurt you cap-wise to, to come back as a swing guy and as the buffer to Terrence Steele. I think that makes everybody happy because it's a win-win. He gets hurt. He start, he sucks even more. Whatever. He costs you nothing. Yeah, Pop, Popeye, we talked about MG's injury earlier in the show, good brother. Um, Got a knee and ankle situation. But... Here's why Tyron, I mean, not just why Tyron Smith is dispensable, but Tyler Smith, your rookie, who came in and had a, I, I can, I'll say it, I think he had a fantastic rookie year, man. I mean, you kind of got to grade it on a curve a little bit because he's a rookie and he was kind of thrown in the fire. So I'm going to be fair to him, tough but fair, tough in the sense of, yes, he gave up six sacks. Yes. He gave up some pressures. He was a penalty machine um, for most of that middle part of the season. But you saw the extreme talent that he has at both positions, by the way. Uh, you saw the talent, the power, the the quickness, the feet. He's still working on his hands. He's still 21 years old or whatever it is, so he's got a lot to grow. But the conversation that's going to come in is, is Tyler Smith going to be a left tackle? Is he going to be a left guard? I'm biased. When I saw Tyler Smith at left guard, I said, oh, my goodness. This dude is is an absolute beast of a man at left guard. When I see him at left tackle, you see that there is some there are bigger holes in his game. But then you see the good when he is at left tackle. Like, man, there's potential there at a more valuable position. But I think this is why they consider him a left side player. And this is where 
Shout out to my guy, Vas Lombardi. We talked about this the other day. If I'm going into this draft, I'm looking at a left side offensive lineman. I'm not narrowing it down to left tackle, left guard. I'm just narrowing it down to left or, or to the left side. Because if I get me a left guard that I really like, then I can kick out Tyler to left tackle, keep him there, and let's work. Let's just develop him. If I get me a left tackle that I really like, boom. Now he's got a beast of a left guard um, on the inside of him in Tyler Smith. So not saying there's a right or wrong answer here, just your opinion. What would you guys want to do with a Tyler Smith? Do you want to pigeonhole him into one? Or do you want to go into the draft kind of with your eyes uh, open and, and options open to moving him around depending on who you get? And while you guys think about that, Brian Baldinger broke down our guy Tyler Smith, um, his game against the 49ers in the playoffs. And I always enjoy Baldy's breakdown. So let's all enjoy Baldy's breakdown real quick. Here we go. Or let me unmute this. Hold on. The highlight of this awful loss to the 49ers was the play of Tyler Smith. Like outside of this first play of the game where Bosa gets a speed to power move on him, and it kind of grabs him and they called a holding call on the first play. But on first and 20, the next play, this is what he did to Fred Warner. And this is what he did to most linebackers in the league. Like Fred Warner couldn't get off him. Like he just starts driving people and he moves people. And he's been doing it all year. I think he was the best offensive lineman, rookie offensive lineman in the league. And I don't think it's going to be long before Tyler Smith is the best lineman on the Cowboys. Like, maybe even this year. You watch him against Bosa. Like, he had no problem with him outside of that first play. You watch him in the run game. Like, this is Kevin Givens. Like, he just takes Kevin Givens. Every time he lined up on him, he just took him for a nice ride. Like, he moves people off the line of scrimmage. Watch what he does to Bosa here on this third and one. Watch where Bosa ends up. See, he's lower than him, but look at the power that he has. Bosa knows he's helpless at this point. He just got knocked off the ball six yards on the play, and all he can do is shake his head. Like, he knows he got beat on the play. He knows it. You can just tell by the reaction and the body language. He got beat badly by the rookie. But you watch this right here, and look, this is Bosa at his best. Wide nine, speed to power. That's what he does from the right side. All right, so it's most guys can't stay in front of him, but he still stays in front long enough for the ball to be delivered to C.D. Lamb. Like, this is one-on-one -on -one with Nick Bosa. He's probably going to win the defensive player of the year. Like, not many people stop the feet of Nick Bosa when he's coming at you. But watch him. Watch him drop the anchor. Look at Bosa's on one that leg. Power's His crazy. feet literally stop. Like, that's a win. That's a big-time win against maybe the best player on defense in this league. Like, you watch this right here. They come out unbalanced, right? It's third and one. The Smith brothers going at it. But Tyron isn't great on this play, but Tyler is. He takes Eric Armstead right for a ride right here. Pretty easy for Zeke. Just run behind 73. I think he's their most powerful lineman, and it's not going to be long before he's their best. And, like, Ebucam, he played against him in the second half. He never got a sniff. <laughs> like, it didn't matter. Like, final seconds of the season. Like the final seconds of the season, I don't care if he plays left guard, left tackle. He can play anywhere on the line. Like they hit a home run with Tyler Smith. Great prospect, great season, wherever they played him. Got the most power of anybody up front on their team. 
Like, he's going to be a star player in this business. We know what happened to the last guy that was really wearing 73 prominently where he ended up. Mm. Comparing him to Larry Allen. Love to see it. Good stuff, Baldy. Appreciate all your breakdowns on Michael Parsons and Tyler Smith this year. Um, enjoyed them. So, you know, that was the last we've seen of Tyler Smith at left tackle, and and there's there's potential there for sure, man. And, you know, I personally would go into the draft with an open mind. I would I would say, look, if we find a left tackle that we believe in, we could just slide him left guard. But I'm not pigeonholed to having to draft a left tackle or left guard because he was reliable at left tackle. Early on, he had a ton of struggles, right? But the word I would use is reliable. Wasn't perfect. Wasn't Pro Bowl worthy or anything like that. But Baldy said he was one of the best rookie offensive linemen or the best rookie offensive linemen that he um, he studied all season. And there's something to the value of left tackle. I totally get that. It's the blind side. So I, I understand if you say, hey, man, let's let's see what he got at left tackle and let's just find a left guard. But boy, if you watch him at left guard, he's special. He's special. So we got a good one. Uh, as somebody in the chat said, as the I believe the title said, the Cowboys have a good problem. This is a really good problem to have with Tyler Smith. And here's the thing that you know I think we should highlight. His ability to do that back and forth as a rookie from a mental standpoint is so dope. It's, it's so dope. And I think it allows the Cowboys to be open-minded going into this draft. All right. Let's finish up the show with a couple OGs. One second. Lock that down. Let's get Reek in the building. What's good, man? Hey, what's up? What's up? Uh, what I, what I think... What I think should happen is this, um, as far as this offensive line. I think it is time for Tyron Smith to go. Uh, he, he's respected in Dallas. I'm pretty sure he can go somewhere, yeah. get a nice year or two out of uh, from another team, a couple of dollars before he leaves, and come on back to Dallas like the rest of the veteran, uh, the OGs, and, and get money and work with Jerry or would be you, a coach or something. Would you sign him, like, for, for good money? No, he, he's too injury prone. All right. But he's a good veteran piece to have on somebody else's team, not ours. You know what I mean? Uh, right. Unless he takes a pay cut, like you said. My my thing is, I hope that Jerry and, them, Jerry and Steven is uh, saying something to these young, the younger guys as far as uh, the, the tall the tall left tackle and ball by going to work oh, well, let's go. with uh, – yeah, well, let's go by going to work with uh, Duke Mayweather. You know what I'm saying in the off season and get better. You know what I mean? Invest that money and get better. Uh, even ask the our, our rookie from this year, keep going to him, get better. You know what I mean? Because we want to build this build this line into a a good enough line, just like something like what the Eagles got. You know what I mean? Because we need to protect our best asset, and that's Dak Prescott. Because I really believe. Uh, if it's a dynamic uh, uh, office alignment in that first round, we should take them. But if it's not, I feel like best player available at that time, at the 26th pick. I don't think we should just narrow it down to one pick. I think whoever's the best pick at that time, that should be our luxury pick. Go ahead, get the best guy on the board. Second round, third round, fourth round, we should get all offensive people. 
You know what I'm saying? Like whoever is better on the offensive defensive side, that's what you pay. But after so that, only then go, you start getting your life. So only go BPA in round one. That's your philosophy. Other than that, then start drafting. That's what I that, That's what I believe. That's what I believe. The reason I say that is because you know what I mean. If if we if we was just uh, going off of what we need right then and there, we would have never ran into Michael Parsons. You know what I'm saying? That was the best player available on the board for us. That worked for us at that time. I would so consider it Mike like a, a need at this. Look, I think you you it's not we we do this every draft season. Best player available, draft for need. There is no. Why do we have to live on two extremes? I don't think you should ever go into the into the draft looking at it from either of those angles. I think you have to put context into that. Like, what you got to look at my roster, man. Like, what if the best player available is a tight end? You don't draft a tight end at twenty six, probably not. No, right? Exactly. No, 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 so no. it's not best player available for your it, needs. It's, it's so that, I right? for your needs. I always say best. Okay, player that's available. what I meant to say. That's what I meant to say. What you were saying. Right, and maybe, maybe, maybe the best player available is not necessarily your number one need, but I do think you need yeah. to add some type of context into the guy that you're drafting or position that you're drafting. But Dallas got got a handful of uh, positions that I think they could draft in round one, and you can consider it best player available at a position of need. That that's kind of where I'm at with it. I, okay, I, I don't think we should okay. ever be like, hey, for instance, Bijan Robinson, great dude, right, great player or what have you, but is a running back at 26. Really, their biggest need, but he's Bobby no. probably would be your best player. Probably would be yeah, the best I, player. I, I get that. Yeah, you know I mean, so I get that. But like you said, we 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 young on that offensive line except for Zach Martin. Finish building the line. You right. You know. You right. And then you got or, value. Or give and Michael Parsons. Yeah, you know, it's I just, give Michael Parsons another running mate. You know what I mean? Get him another running mate on that defense. Somebody another impact player on that defense. You know what I mean, uh, or an impact wide receiver. Yeah, I'm, I'm cool. With, I'm cool with pretty much a, a lot of things, but like you said, if it's a, if it's just like a running back or a tight end or something, we can find that later. A center. I, I do agree with you on that. You know, like, like yeah, you, you kind of got to be a little bit more reasonable when we go into, uh, you know, we're talking about best player available. Like, it, there, there has to be a, a reasoning in my opinion, and that's something we'll talk about more uh, uh, next week when we dive into the draft. We'll probably list the Cowboys' top needs and whatnot. Yeah. All right. Cool. All right, man. Appreciate Peace. you, Rick. B Bird, what's going on, man? Hey, nothing much. How you doing, Rick? I'm uh, good. I'm good. Guy. Hey, so I want to make a couple of comments. Uh on Terrence Steele, one of the things that um showed his value is that our running game suffered uh greatly when he went out. So um he was just a a great we, we have to sign him. He's the building block of our offensive line, to be totally honest with you. Um Tyler Smith, I would definitely love to get him a pay cut that's mutually beneficial to both us and him. Uh, I don't think he's going to, with his injury, he's going to be able to command a lot on free agency. Also, if he's a swing, he doesn't put a lot of wear and tear on him. Uh, he may be able to play some plays until, some games until um, still comes back. But I think he, he has, has a lot of value with experience and everything else with him. I think if we can come to a mutual agreement that helps our cap and, and keeps him making a little bit of money. Uh, I think that we should go that route. Yeah. I, um, I think that's the best like situation for all parties involved, even fans. I think, I don't think yeah. a fan could be upset yeah. if you get Tyron back on like a $3 million deal to be a swing tackle. Yeah. So I, I uh, the reason I call is because I was 
that kind of caught you in the middle of the show, and I think y'all were talking about Sean Payton, and you know that's one of my uh, one of my guys. I wanted him here, but I, I'm definitely not dissatisfied with Mike McCarthy uh, and what he's been able to do here. But I, I was going to say when uh, one caller was comparing their records and this, that, and other, and I and this is if I get one thing from your show is context matter, um, right. and you can't just look at the records and say look at this and look at that. Um, I've always said that we need a culture changer here. Mike McCarthy is not necessarily a culture changer uh, instantly. He's like he may be changing some things, but Sean Payton is. So I'm of the mindset that we need a veteran wide receiver to go uh, next to CD, whether it be a Hopkins, whether it be a Stephon Diggs or something like that. But let's just say that they're asking Sean Payton, he's a Cowboys coach, and they said, hey, man, what are we going to do about the wide receiver position? And he says, um, hey, in free agency or trade market, we're going to attack that thing aggressively. Well, doesn't that put his, his name along in the cachet that he has, puts pressure on Jared him to be like, oh, my God, we got to do something. And so, but Mike, Big Mike don't have that. He don't have that juice, as you called earlier. He doesn't have that. And so when I wanted Sean Payton, I wanted the bowl, the brass to come in right. here because the last time we've had a culture change, you got to go back to Bill Parcells. Uh, somebody whose word was stronger than Jerry's and Stevens in the media. And so, uh, or just by the general public, they respected him more than they did um, the Joneses. So when he came out and spoke and Jerry and him said something, people snickered at Jerry and them. And it was like, no, Bill said this. And, and Bill, it was just a stronger presence in that um, organization than we've had before. Right now, we've, I've also said that we all, we get coaches that, that, that are begging for jobs. And when you're begging for a job, now you have to do things like accept Kellen Moore as an offensive coordinator. You have to do those things. But if you're Sean Payton and you're out there and three teams want you and Jerry and Steven have to actually bid for you and make some concessions for you, now you come in with some power. Uh, you come yeah, in with we, some leverage. We, Mike, we know the reasons why we all, all, all want is Sean Payton here, and all of those reasons are why he's not, right? Like that's <laughs> – think about it. You know, we, we was <laughs> – that's, that's yeah. the, all the reasons why he's not. And when when it comes to Mike McCarthy and Sean Payton, like I said earlier, like we've kind of agreed upon in regards to the you know the power struggle and whatnot. Mike was conditioned in Green Bay, almost the same way he is here in Dallas, where Mike wanted to bring guys in, he wanted to spend money, he wanted to draft certain players. Green Bay said no. This is what we're doing because we run this ship. And Mike said, whatever, I'm a coach's coach. I'm a coach up these guys, right? So he yeah. came here already conditioned to not having that type of power. Where Sean Payton, we'll call it condition, whatever the hell you want to call it. Sean Payton was the power in New Orleans. Yeah. So yeah. I don't think that he would ever come to a situation where that power was then stripped. We hoped yeah. That he that something like that would happen if Mike McCarthy didn't work out and whatnot. But in Dallas, man, that will never be the case because of the way they're structured. They're structured with obviously the owner and GM and president being one guy, the player, vice president, personnel being one guy, and then you know Will McClay being a guy that helps those guys out by doing the grocery shopping with the list that they're provided. That was all Sean Payton, and and we know that's not going to yeah. happen. That wouldn't have happened here in Dallas, man. Now, one thing, the other thing that uh, I, I got from your show, and that was so great, is that some conflict is good. And so the last time we've had conflict was with Bill Parcells. And right. so sometimes, and, 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 and that's why I'm going to say something that's probably unpopular. Like people say, well, Dan Quinn may be our next coach. I don't want Dan Quinn as our next coach, even if it doesn't go right. 
I really don't want anyone that that works really good with the Joneses to be our head coach because that's that lack of com- conflict. And then and people will be like, well, he's a great defense coordinator. They love him. Yeah, man, but he's just going to fall in line doing the same, letting the Joneses you. run the show or whatever. And I just, I just, I just thought that Sean Payton. This is what I would tell the chat. Sean Payton would have added that conflict, and what that conflict means is they're he's opposite of Jerry and Steven, and that's what we needed here. I'm not saying that Big Mike can't do it. Uh, I because one thing I would say is, and I'm gonna let you go. Big Mike ain't gonna do hey, it even for Garrett, he's conditioned to not do even, it. Yeah, even for Garrett though, they told him no on play calling, um, huh. and they love Garrett. That's a second son to them. And they, they 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 may allow Mike to do it, so that's a little bit different for me. I didn't think that that would ever happen. And Sky, you could talk about that a little bit if you want to. I'm gonna get off, man, and listen. I appreciate you giving me the time to talk, man. Uh, appreciate you, B. Bird. All right, because I think their new guy, the apple of their eye, is Dan Quinn. I think that's why they they were like, whatever, Kellen Moore, go ahead and go. This doesn't work out. We got Dan Quinn to fall back on. You know, I said this last year when we were having this conversation. I've uh, been talking about the whole conflict is good thing for this team or for this organization. You're going to need somebody in here that's going to swindle the Joneses. What do you mean by swindle? You're going to need somebody that's going to come in at these meetings and say, mm, yep, sure. Power, control, eh, you got it. And then when he get the job, you politely tell him, off. Period. Now, that might take you doing some backdoor dealing with Will McClay. But here's the problem. He don't sign the checks. Y'all think I'm playing when I talk about this structure. This structure is bulletproof. Boy, this structure is so goddamn bulletproof, Cowboys Nation. Hear me out. Because Will McClay is not the general manager, I know a lot of people like to think he is. He's not. General managers make those decisions and they sign the checks. Even if that person went to Will McClay and said, hey, dog, look, fuck the Joneses. This is who we go out there and try to get a D-hop. Go out there and try to get a. Yeah, but uh, Sean, I don't. I don't make that final say. Who make the final say? Steven. Now you go on over there and try to persuade Stephen Jones to come up off of some cap or some picks. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. Here comes the money. It's bulletproof. It's bulletproof. It cannot be broken down. It's the Great Wall of China. So I would love to get a guy to come in here and, and, and create that conflict. I think that's what we absolutely need. The problem is there's so many layers that that guy has to go through. First, you got to go through Will. And I'm not calling Will yes, man, by any means. But Will's comfortable. Will's in good. Will does his job very good. Is that coach going to be able to persuade Will to get on his side? I don't know. All right, so you get through him. Now you got to go through Steven. And well, let's flip it. Let's flip it. Let's say you got to go through Jerry. Because I think Jerry is a, You can persuade Jerry a little bit easier. And then you got to go through Steven. 
who makes the final say on free agency and trades and all that. Because let's be real, he does. That's a tough ask, man. That's a tough ask. And I, I, I don't know that there is anyone that can do that. And that's why the thing has to be torn down. We talk about blowing up the damn team. No, you need to blow up the structure. You need to demolish the foundation of this organization. But the quarterback. <laughs> one day, one day y'all will learn that position ain't the problem here in the Dallas Cowboys organization. Who is the little finger at the star? I think the little finger, shout out to the Game of Thrones analogy, would have to be Will. Like, Will would have to be the guy that views chaos as a ladder, to use a little finger analogy. It would have to be Will, because Will, like Littlefinger, he's involved in everybody. Everybody uses Will McClay. They use Littlefinger. Do they always trust Littlefinger? No. But they know if they need something done, they can rely on Littlefinger. So Will would have to be the guy to blow up that foundation. Or at least, I hate to use the word snake. I don't want to use the word snake. But slither through it. Create a crack that allows you to potentially, potentially, you know, get something done and before they build it back up. Have to be Will McClay. He has to be Littlefinger. It's got to be little thing. Yeah, Dak's the problem. Tony's the problem. McCarthy's the problem. JG's the problem. Bill's the problem. Uh, Gailey's the problem. Wade's the problem. Rod's the problem. We can do this on and on and on and on. And we can continue to keep doing it. Meanwhile, uh, you know, quarterbacks... Like Jake DeLome is going to the Super Bowl. Brock Purdy's in the NFC Championship game. Jalen Hurts is in the Super Bowl. Rex Grossman's going to the Super Bowl. Six-round picks, who, shout out to the all-time greats, winning Super Bowls early in his career. Yeah. Quarterbacks can get traded to another team with another coach, and he's turned into an all-pro Hall of Famer. Yeah, they the problem. Okay. One thing is true. One thing is certain. The issue, as my guy here calls him the Night King, is Jerry and Steven. But y'all don't like to hear that. But this is the time to hear it. Now, once the season starts, we talk about that. But this is the time y'all going to hear this. Marv, send us out. What up, man? What's up, Marv? I to jam all y'all up. Don't get mad, brother. You got some good concept, but y'all get an F. Let me tell you why you get an F. Who are you talking about? With the, uh, Jerry Jones and Stephen A. Stephen Jones. I don't care. Stephen Jones run everything. Now, what, back what, in the day, what are you talking about? What, 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 F, what are you talking about, bro? Bro, you got to listen sometime, my brother. Listen. What, what, what are you What are you giving you. an F about? Like, I didn't ask for a grade. Are you saying you disagree that Jerry and Steven are the issue with the organization? Is that what you're saying? Uh, uh, I ain't going to make no excuses. You know, they, 
They put their hand in it sometime uh, with the with the Mari Cooper. That's where they messed up at. Everything else, Stephen A. That's on us. Stephen, whatever, whatever you want to call Stephen oh, <laughs> But anyway, okay. let me get back to the conversation. Okay, yeah. bro. We had the best record when we played Green Bay, right? Remember? With Romo? 13-3? We got beat at home, right? No. Remember that? You're talking about 2016? That wasn't with Romo. Well, we, yeah. that, was, that was with Dak. Okay. We were 13-3, right? Okay. What happened? Marv, you're gonna have to get to your point, brother. I'm not really quite sure what you're getting out here, bro. We're not. I don't. What I'm trying to explain <laughs> to you, brother. We had three chances to go to the Super Bowl. Oh my God, all we had. Years. We had three chances yeah, to go to the Super Bowl. Rocker, we had three we, chances to go we, to the NFC Championship yeah, game. Yeah. <laughs> we yeah, haven't. We you. haven't sniffed we had the best rocker, a Super Bowl. Though. We had the best record. It that's not. Matter, that's brother. not a chance to go to the Super no, Bowl. No, you know how many teams had the best record? No, I don't want to hear that. No. What, you don't want to hear record. what? That they had a chance we to go to the, the NFC record. championship we game? We was 13 to 3. Bro. And we still went to the The Super Packers Bowl. were 15 and 1 and lost in the first round. Their first game. I know. What the hell does that mean? It doesn't matter. I'm talking about the Cowboys. I'm not talking about the Packers. I, I'm That's giving you. You keep talking about other teams. Because brother. other teams do go Dallas. to the Super Bowl doing things differently oh than the Cowboys, Marv. What are you Did talking the Giants, about? The Giants were 9 to 7. Who they beat? They beat us. Yeah, they, they went did. To the Super Bowl. They did. Okay. What is they your point? Us, they beat us with Romo, and then we get beat where we uh, that was ten to sixteen. Who won the Super Bowl that year? Marv, I'm gonna need you to get to your point, bro. You're not. I'm not about all to go down say, all these teams from 2000 no. to 2021. What is your point? My point is, brother. We had opportunity, chance. Nobody said we didn't have opportunities to advance in the playoffs. Thing, and I and I love you guys' concept, but only thing I'm hearing, you know what I'm saying, we keep blaming the owners because we didn't do what the Philadelphia guy did. <laughs> and Ma, we had an opportunity that we should have already been Ma, to the Super Bowl. We've been through many head coaches. We've been through Many players. We've been through many assistants. We've been through many quarterbacks. What is the one constant? What is the one constant in 30 years, Marv? We still haven't won. What is the one constant? Answer the question. It's been 27 years. What is the one constant through all the coaching changes, all the player changes, all the personnel changes? What is the one constant? Who you trying to say? All right, man. Appreciate you, Marv. Appreciate you, Marv. If, that's, if you're not going to answer the damn question, it's pretty simple. I tried to make it easy for you. It's the Joneses. How are you going to say the rest of the league doesn't matter? It absolutely matters because the rest of the league is showing you how to get it done. But you refuse to adapt to what the rest of the league is doing because you want to do it your way. And I digress. That wasn't Marv. That was Stephen Jones's burner account. You damn skippy. I'm going to make them face the heat. And that's the problem. People like you don't. Now, when the season start, we talk about what's happening during the season. I say that all the time. But here we are. Another season where other teams 
or doing things that you aren't doing. My apologies. Should have ended the thing with uh, B-Bird. I got to listen. We got to go through all 21 Super Bowl games over the last 21 years. I don't need to do that. It's fairly damn simple here. Almost getting to the NFC Championship game is not almost getting winning the Super Bowl. Not even close. You're killing me, Mar. And you the same dude that said we was going to have three 1,000-yard receivers. Marv. You the same dude that talked about the six-string linebacker who can't even get on a team in the NFL. Marv. Miss me with that BS. You cry me a river, sir. But appreciate you calling in. Thanks for the content. You are good content. I will give you that one. If you enjoyed that good content, Cowboys, just hit the like button on our way out. Hit that like button. Now, nah, don't laugh at Marv. We're not going to do that today. We're not going to do that today. We'll save that for another day. Trust and believe me, he'll say something. Later on, we'll be talking more Cowboys draft stuff with Vach Lombardi on the volume. Make sure you join us. And then tonight, Mo will be back on Talking Cowboys, A to Z Sports Primetime. Hey, make sure y'all hit up A to Z Sports Dallas.com too. Our fantastic writers constantly have great articles. If you want to see some draft content articles, they'll be there. And then as we round out the week, like I said, next week we'll be getting into the draft. And I'm sure Marv will talk about six round pick who's going to be a Hall of Famer in in uh in the preseason. So hey. You don't want to miss a show. That's what we say on Vossum Barty. Same thing here, man. Same thing here. Oh, I would love to hear. Oh, I would love to hear it. Professor O, I got to go look up the uh, the Kayshawn Booty. If you missed that yesterday, you, you, missed, you missed some good stuff. I got to go look him up. But I know Twan was talking about uh, the cat from Ohio State. He's going to be one of the first linemen I look at, and we'll talk about next week. Because we're talking about Senior Bowl. If that's the guy you're talking about, uh, the Ohio State product who was down there at the Senior Bowl offense lineman, go and take a look at him, um, the receivers, and the corners down there. We're going to look at all those dudes, and we're going to bring on Foots next week to talk about the Senior Bowl. That's kind of how we get kicked off with the draft content. So appreciate y'all for coming through. Let me hit this button and get up out of here. Not one damn point. We had three chances in 30 years to get to the NFC Championship. 30 damn years. Meanwhile, team's been there eight goddamn times in 10 years. Goodbye, sir. Love you. Peace. Right, go finish your 40, bro. Go finish your 40. Woke up drunk. <laughs>